Father, thank you again for this morning and Lord for the hallelujahs that we can say out loud and that we can say in our hearts and the amens, Father, and the praise God and all those expressions that we have because you are such an awesome, wonderful, marvelous, marvelous God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for being the God that you are. We not only thank you for what you do for us, but we thank you for who you are. Your person, Father, sometimes mysterious, but that's one thing we love about you. So, Father, thank you for this morning, for your presence and your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that you would be pleased, Lord, to use this servant. I'm excited, Father. I thank you for the things that I learned this week and the songs I broke out into, Lord, as I was writing. And, Father, for the calling me to teach your word. I thank you for this congregation. Yesterday I saw an affirmation of that again and again and again, Lord, how we're able to work together to celebrate you, to encourage each other, Father. So we commit this morning to you. Thank you for what you're going to do in Christ's name and always for his glory. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, last week we started our uh, short series uh, on grace. I'm obsessed with that doctrine, as you can tell. And with my excitement today, you'll be able to tell it again. That uh, unmerited, unlimited blessings from God based upon the adequate work of what Christ has done for us. Grace unlimited. 155 references to grace in the New Testament. And as I said to you last week, uh, Paul gobbles up 130 of those. Um, a couple of years ago, I was teaching after school good news clubs every week. And what we did is that we taught children some basic Bible truths using Bible stories. A great opportunity, but I always tried, I should say, to t every week teach children some doctrine, especially uh, the attributes of God. Uh, I had heard Arthur Pink, didn't hear him, but I read that uh, he said, our problems are due to an inadequate knowledge or a misunderstanding of some character of God, either his omniscience or his omnipotence or his grace or whatever that might be, that when we struggle, it's because of that uh, uh, lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, or a misunderstanding. And so because of that, I wanted the children to learn very young uh, some good doctrinal truths. So one of the things I would say to the children sometimes is that, does God love you more when you're good? Well, you know how they would respond, don't you? Yes, of course he loves me more. My mommy and daddy seem to love me more when I'm good, so God must love me more when I'm good. Did I say, does God love you less when you're naughty? Well, of course he loves me less when I'm naughty. 
Mommy and Daddy love me less, or at least don't like me as much when I'm naughty. They tell me that, and then I tell them, listen carefully, boys and girls, God loves you the same all the time. Wow, you mean that, Mr. Jerry? I said, I mean it absolutely. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you less or to love you more. I walked into club over the school, and I can't remember the name. It starts with an R. It's uh, west of um, the park, just south of Broadway. Uh, I walked into that club, and I shared this with you a few years ago. And this little boy was crying so hard. I went over and put my arm around him, and I said, what's wrong? And he said, Mr. Cherry, I did something really bad this week, and I don't think God loves me anymore. <laughs> so I gave him a little short course on God's forgiveness and his grace and his constant, 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 constant love. The teacher of the club overheard me. She said, Mr. Jerry, would you come up in the front and tell the whole class what you just told that John, a little boy? I think his name was Johnny. And I said, sure, and I, and I did. I'm just, uh, I, I, I'm surprised. I, no, I shouldn't be surprised. Because I was in that same group of how many people, Christian people, People who've been going to church and studying the Bible for years and years and years do not understand the full, well, we'll never fully understand all there is to know about grace. That would be point number seven. I could teach you everything I know, everything about the Bible. We'd get to point number seven, and I would say, well, we still don't know it all yet. I, If you have five more years to live, keep growing, keep learning. But pastor, what if I only have 10 more minutes? I said, keep studying, keep learning, keep growing. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. God's grace is unmerited and unlimited. <laughs> I think about the times that I'm invited out to eat at somebody's house and they start passing the potatoes around and there's usually more than enough and they're peas enough to feed an army and uh, some good stuff like that. When we get to the meat, I realize that what's on the platter may be all there is or may not be any more in the oven. And I'm thinking to myself, I hope the other seven people around this table are thinking the same way but pass it around. You never run out. Never run out. I was talking to Robert this morning about working on a threshing crew, or the threshing crew. I don't know, Gladys, if you remember those or not. Well, we went from farm to farm to farm with a crew of tractors and men and women. Well, the women went to the kitchen. So there would be about six or eight women cooking uh, lunch. And then there would be 10 or 12 of us out in the field. And I go back far enough that I remember when we were still using a team of horses, at least on the wagon that we put the bundles on that brought to the threshing machine. Oh, did we eat. 
I ate 14 years of sweet corn one noon, and I never did leave the straw pile. I stayed behind there all afternoon because I was sick, very sick, but it was good. People, God's grace is unlimited. Every time you take a piece of chocolate cake, there's more cake. More. I write a check for $20 and the bank puts $20 in there. I go to the grocery store and I write a check for $50 and my bank puts $50 in. I was sharing with you, I think, last week about you got your last piece of pizza. Isn't that always true? Somehow, nobody wants to take the last piece. But these two little boys, they wanted it, and they started to fight over it. And so I gave one of them a table knife, and I said, you cut it in half, and your brother can choose first. Do you know what? That's a perfect way to find the half of something. Boy, I'll tell you. Careful, careful. Well, I gave the passage out to you today. Um, and just so you can keep it straight from last week, I wrote at the top, Grace 2 with the date. That'll help you. And we'll try to go through this as best we can. I, uh, I, I think I probably listened to 15 or 20 hours of lessons, classes today this week on grace and I still have this is just draft number two it hasn't gotten into my computer yet I still need to do that so I'll share with you this morning my excitement as you can tell already so the main verse of course is at the top Romans six fourteen, for sin shall not be master over you for you are not under the law but you are under grace and when we mean under the law we're not we're talking about the Ten Commandments. They're all repeated in the, in, the New Test, in, in the New Testament, except the one that talks about what day you should worship. Um, but we're talking about the feast days, the feast years, the special days, all of those things that God laid down back in, in the Exodus and the Old Testament books of law. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So it's unlimited. Now, 2 Corinthians 4.15. And you have it there partway down. King James, for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. Now, someone comes to me and says, Pastor Jerry, I've got the key verse to how to be happy in marriage. Uh, key, I, I get a little bit shocked and can question it when I, anybody tries to tell me they've got the key. It's like the answer. But I'll tell you this. There's one thing there is the key, and that's this verse when it comes to the key of grace. This is how it would be translated. For all things are for your sake, 
that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. It could go something like this. So that the grace of God might become abundant. Or like this. So that abundant grace may be abundant. You're saying that grace is abounding. And if you learn to do this, if you learn to give thanks, it's just, I want that to be my first nature or second nature. Thank you, Lord, that I made that traffic light. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't have an accident. Thank you, Lord, for the job you gave to my son. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for my beautiful wife. Thank you, thank you. Just make that. If you learn to do that, grace will abound even more. I don't believe there's a key to too many things. But I believe that 2 Corinthians 4.15 is the key to it. Is the key to grace. All right, Romans 5.15. You have that. Well, let me just stop for a minute here and give you a side note so I don't get interrupted later. Go about uh, two-thirds of the way down. You see it says Romans 6.23. Do you see that? That verse changed my life. Uh, when I was in high school, I was very active in an organization called Youth for Christ. And we had a club in our school, a Youth for Christ club. We called it High C Club, which was another organization like Youth for Christ. I just like, and I had a big high C on the back of my football letter jacket. And uh, we had rallies, I believe, once a month. Bill Carl, uh, the Imperials, the Spurlows, names that you don't recognize unless you're over 70. But uh, we had rallies once a month at the women's club in Rockford, packed out, packed out. Red Harper, Doug Oldham, Bill Carl. Boy, I can still remember those names. That's amazing. Um, but then uh, once a month we had Singspirations. I think it was once a month on Sunday night after church. And all the teenagers, and we had a large, large group. Uh, Kansas City was the largest. We were probably second largest up in Rockford, Illinois. But uh, the church, we would meet at somebody's, uh, some church. We'd just rotate around the city. And uh, the place would be packed, standing room only. And boy, did we sing. And boy, did we sing. And praise God. But sometimes we would be asked, to, the high school student would be asked to give a devotional talk. Well, I was asked one time. And so my friend Denny Johnson, who owns the Stockholm Inn Swedish restaurant in Rockford, Illinois, that has 10,000 patrons every single week, uh, he was the other preacher. And this is the verse we preached on. Our Youth for Christ director, Bryce Finning, said, Jerry, I want you to take uh, the part of the verse that says, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Denny Johnson, I want you to take the first part of the verse for the wages of sin is death. And uh, up until that point, I was going to farm. I dreamt farming. I was in 4-H. I showed animals. 
Um, I learned to test milk. I learned to artificially how to do artificial breeding of our cattle. Um, I've told you the story before. And the, the man that I worked with for 13 summers, he picked out a farm for me. He was going to buy it. Set me up on 6040. He said, uh, you run the farm, I'll buy the farm, and you can run it. I was so excited, I told you. I was all ready to go to Purdue and take a major in animal husbandry. I still think about the farm. Every time I go down Campbell, I usually turn on Limberlost or Rogers so I can go by the ag school. Then I'd get out and go stand by the fence and call the cows over. And for some reason, they would come. And my boys were so impressed that their daddy could make a noise. And that noise would bring the cows to the fence. I still go by there today because you've heard the old saying, you can take a boy off the farm, but you can't take a farm out of the boy. I loved it. But God listened carefully. Well, no, don't listen carefully. Just point this. That night with Youth for Christ and this verse that I just showed you changed my life. Because I had so many kids come up afterwards and give me an affirmation and say to me, maybe you should be a preacher. Well, I remember having to tell my parents who were very committed believers. And I thought, how am I going to tell them? They just always, this is Jerry, our farming son. How am I going to tell them? They were so happy when I told them. I said, you know, I think God wants me to be a pastor. Amen. Well, then the hard part was telling these people on the farm. They didn't share the depth of their walk with God like my parents did. But I told them, and they understood. They wanted to adopt me. That's how close I got to this family. But that's the verse that God used to change the direction of my life, and, and I've never regretted it. I've never regretted it. And I couldn't be happier than I am this very day standing here. But grace, God's grace is unmerited. There's nothing you can do to earn it, and it is unlimited. There is nothing you can do God never gets to a point where he said, Jerry, listen. Listen, listen now. Kind of ease up a little bit, will you? I just, uh, there's a limit to how much grace I can extend to you. So just go a little easy. No. It never ends. It never ends. Unmerited blessing. How can God give unmerited blessing to somebody who, doesn't, who deserves judgment like we all do? You know, that's like having a court. And I, and, I, and I stand before the judge, and he said, based upon the evidence, uh, I, I declare that you are guilty of stealing from that Circle K. And uh, because you are guilty, and I declare you are guilty, you are going to be issued by the court a check for $50,000. What? I'm going to get $50,000? because I stole something from a Circle K? How can a judge do that? 
How can God, people, how can God forgive you and forgive me? Why? Because it's based on the on what God, Jesus Christ, has done. It's based on the totally adequate work of Christ on the cross. So what's the first part? God is a lavish giver. What's the second part? It's based on the work of his son. The unlimited work of Christ is based... Now, I think about that and I thought, you know... If I could say it's based mostly on the complete adequate work of Christ. Mostly. If, if, if we would say that, then I could say, oh, I can do something. I can add something for my forgiveness. No. If you try to do that, you just cancel the whole thing out. There's nothing. Because he did it all. God is a lavish giver, and I am a poor pauper begging for a piece of bread. And if I try to add something to it, then I'm insulting God. I'm saying that what the Son did is not totally adequate. And the Son of God needs my help. Surely he needs our help. And you have to be careful here, because... This grace program, listen, is so delicate that it can be upset by just a little confusion at this point. Listen, if it is based totally, totally, teenage expression, totally on the adequate work of Christ and unmerited favor, then it does not matter how much I put in the program if I try, then it's not unmerited. I saw a program the other day. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if it was on History or Discovery Channel, but it was the making of the Bentley car. Have you ever seen a Bentley? There's one dealer in Arizona. I'd love, sometime when I'm up in Scottsdale, I'm going to stop just so I can walk in and put my finger on a Bentley. The Queen of England got one as a gift. Uh, $328,000 is the base price of a Bentley. It's seamless when they make it. There's no seams in the body at all. Seamless. If somebody said, here's keys to my Bentley, it's yours. After I pick myself up off the ground, I would say, well, here's a $10 bill, thank you. You see, if I did that, it's not totally unmerited. No. It's mostly an undeserved gift, not completely. So you try to add something to your salvation. And, you're, and I know what some of you are thinking. Come on, Pastor. We're not, we're not, we got more knowledge than that, folks. People are always, always trying to add. Trying to add something to earn their salvation. There's a movement that's been out there for quite a while and it came into our children's ministry and I had to go around and set things straight. 
some of the teachers were trying to tell the children, yes, pray in faith and ask, invite, believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But you have to prove it by how you live afterwards to make it complete. And I had to tell them, no, 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 no. Don't add baptism. Don't add anything. Folks, it is complete what Jesus Christ did for us. I can't put anything down. If it's a debt, it's a debt. If it's grace, it's great. And if I try to insert something in there, then I ruin the whole thing. It's like I said last week, if you're pregnant, you're pregnant. You're not almost pregnant. It's all or nothing. Look at 4.13, Romans 4.13. Two-thirds, three-fourths of the way down, 13 through 16. It says here, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law. And the law, folks, is not just the Old Testament days and feasts and celebrations and the Ten Commandments. It's not just those. It's all those other little things that they were slaves to in the Old Testament. We have an Orthodox Jewish synagogue on Fifth Avenue. Matter of fact, that's the first Evangelical Free Church had that building at one time. And the Orthodox group is there now. And they have to only walk so far on Sabbath. And so a lot of them have bought around there. And if they haven't bought around there, they'll rent a room so they don't have to walk very far on the Sabbath morning. <laughs> I wanted the rabbi to come and speak at the uh, Kiwanis Club that I, where I was a member. And his wife graciously said he can't come because that kitchen is not kosher. And I said, well... I'll talk to them and see that it is kosher. No, no, no. It won't work because they might just slip up on one point and cook some milk with some meat and then the whole thing would be gone. So either it's by grace or it's by something that we do to make our salvation complete. Verse 16, for this reason it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace. It is of faith. Why? Why is it of faith? That it might be of grace. If not of faith, what happens to the grace system? It comes apart. It's not grace anymore. Folks, does God love you more when you're good? No. Do you break his heart when you're bad? Yes. Does he love You've heard me say this. I get upset because I hear a parent in a restaurant not too long ago saying, Johnny, you know that mommy doesn't love naughty boys. I wanted to go over and say, ma'am, don't say that. Say, Johnny, you disappoint mommy when you do that. But don't say you don't love him naughty boys. There's only one way of appropriating of receiving God's forgiveness, and I've got to quit, I'm sorry. Um, 
I got so much inside and it's, it's trying to get out. It's coming out the pores of my skin. Galatians 5, let's just take a quick look and I promise I'll quit. Uh, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, standing firm, do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 2, behold I, Paul, say to you, that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. What? And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. And I read that and I say, wow, what did they do? They were trying to add something to what God had done through his son on the cross. And that's why there's a commentary at the bottom. Read that sometime because I know that some of you are going to ask me, what does that fallen from grace mean? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, I, 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 I pray that we'll understand it. I, I, it breaks my heart when I talk to people who have been Christians for many years, and yet, Lord, they don't seem to understand How complete, how consistent your grace, your love for us. And your blessings come to us, Lord, undeserved, unlimited. And thank you for that. May we, Lord, be walk around and saying thank you, thank you, thank you. As I say thank you in Christ's name, amen.